0: commitment, dedication, success, Copland, Keebler, and Wallace. The most trusted name in
1: executive search and consulting welcomes you to the W Podcast, where we delve deep into the not-so-simple art of hospitality. And now here's your host, award-winning journalist, compelling storyteller, and video strategist,
2: Corey Saban. Welcome to the KK&W podcast. We hope this show is a resource for you to stay up to date on the latest trends, garner some new ideas and information to help you grow and enhance your operation. Today, we're joined by not one But two dynamic leaders. First, Henry Wallmeyer, President and CEO of the National Club Association. The National Club Association serves as the lead advocate for private clubs on legislative and regulatory issues and is the primary resource for private clubs and their leaders on club governance and trends information. During his tenure, Henry has led the organization in advocacy and growth initiatives that have increased NCA's presence on Capitol Hill and within the private club community. For his role as a key player navigating for the golf industry through the COVID-19 crisis, both as a government relations advocate as well as a leader in operations and COVID-19 protocols, Henry was named the 2020 Mid-Atlantic Golf Leader by NGCOA in Mid-Atlantic. Next, We have the Wallace in Copland, Keebler, and Wallace, my friend Tom Wallace. Before joining the firm, Tom served in club management in some of the country's most prestigious and most recognized private clubs. Tom's a true leader and a visionary and has had numerous committee roles in the CMAA, both nationally and worldwide, and is a highly sought-after speaker in both the states and abroad. Tom, Henry, it's great to be with both of you.
0: And it's great to be with you, Corey. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for having me.
2: Anytime, guys. Tom, I know you were just down at the conference uh, with Henry in Ocean Reef. Tell us a little bit about that and what it was like, and engage us in a little bit of the behind the scenes.
0: Well, yeah. As a as an NCA board member, I was able to come go down a little early. We had some board meetings, but uh, it was just great to be around peers, and other leaders in the club industry. It was great to sit across a table and uh, ha- have a great board meeting with the, uh, the rest of my board members and the great team at NCA, led by Henry. Uh, just just awesome to be down in a beautiful place, Ocean Reef, but also just awesome to be around people again and uh, feel safe. Henry, I know, uh, I'm sure you're just getting inundated this week with compliments from the, the great event that you put on the 23rd through the 25th of May. Uh, how's feedback been?
3: Uh, it, it's been wonderful, uh, and it has been, uh, you know, almost overwhelming to respond back to all the, uh, the great compliments that, that we got. Um, I think we were, you know, unfortunate last year because uh, we had to cancel our conference. Uh, it was scheduled for May, uh, you know, in 2020. Obviously, everything after March was, was canceled last year. Uh, but we were fortunate that we were the first, um, you know, opportunity for the, the private club industry as a whole to get back together uh, in person, uh, you know, since I think it was probably you know February of 2019. So, in you know, roughly you know 14, 15 months of pent up, um, you know, uh, you know excitement of you know wanting to, to you know for club managers to see their peers, and so uh, it was like you said, it was just wonderful to 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 get together. You know in person i think we could have done it anywhere we could have been in the back alley somewhere and i think you know the attendees would have uh, would have liked it because they were you know again with other folks but the fact that we were down at ocean reef club in uh, in key largo florida you know made it even more spectacular and you know we were also able to have uh you know events at the, the wonderful card sound club um and then also the key largo anglers club you know very interesting how there's you know three private clubs within a, a couple mile radius uh, down there and so uh, you know the setting uh, absolutely helped, but also more so like you're saying, just getting together uh, for the first time in such a long time really uh, made it a uh, you know a great event for the attendees
0: absolutely i you know the speakers were as they always are excellent uh so I guess I'll comment on a couple of the speakers henry i, I and I wouldn't wanna i really took something away from everyone i I thought uh Mick Mulvaney was. Uh, very entertaining, and I, I just thought his bes- behind-the-scenes look at the White House and uh, being chief of staff w- was just very intriguing. There's a book in there, I'm sure, someday soon uh, <laughs> coming. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought Julius Rhodes w- w- was excellent and just up, such an upbeat uh, personality. Uh, Dick Grosso, former chairman of the New York Stock Exchange, I thought really brought a lot uh to the table, but th- I really took a, several pages of notes uh, from everybody. Was there anybody that stood out to you? And I know you—it's like picking your favorite child. But uh, you know, w- when you reflect back, what were some of your takeaways?
3: Uh, right, and, and finally the, the three that you mentioned—you uh, know, Dick Mick and, uh, and Joyus—were uh, our three uh, highest-rated uh, speakers. Um, so, uh, you know, across the board, uh, I think everybody—you know—learned you know, you know from them and their. You know, different experiences with leadership. Whether it was Dick Grasso and his, you know, leading, you know, the financial, you know, markets through 9/11 in New York City, and you know, making sure that you know the country got through that, or you know, Mick Mulvaney, you know, leading in the White House as the chief of staff, and you know, he was good, and you know, some of the the tidbits that he was able to give us, but then also how he related to you know, to his time as as you know, former. Um, you know, president of the board at uh, Carmel Country Club. Uh, You really made it, you know, unique. Um, But then also, you know, I I really liked uh, the congressman. Um, uh, You know, Congressman Jimenez, you know, from that uh, district down there in Florida, uh, he was familiar with Ocean Reef. He'd been there, you know, multiple times. So that was, you know, that really hit home. But then what he was able to to talk about in terms of what's happening in Washington, D.C. and how, um, you know, things are trying to get done, doesn't look like it's going to get done, but it's just you know how he has to try to work in that type of environment where it is you know it is so divisive you know in what you know they as you know as lawmakers you know try to do during this time but then also you know what he talked about the importance of you know being engaged you know as you know not just as citizens but then also as caretakers of an industry you know as you know people who are representing the private club industry to be involved and to you know invite you know congressmen and senators to the club um you know, so that they can meet the staff and they can see what the operation is and see how important it is you know to that entire local community. So um it was just it was just you know a wealth of information from from all of those folks as well as you know the other speakers, but you know those were ones that uh, you know that that did stand out to me and and seemed to to resonate with the, the vast majority of the attendees.
2: You know, Henry, I have a question uh, for both of you guys. As you're talking about that and relating to the clubs, uh, I'm sure all three speakers talked about building consensus at some point, as you mentioned the strife between both the Democrats and the Republican parties Uh, in regards to building consensus. What were some of the takeaways that perhaps GMs could use to work with their boards more effectively?
0: Yeah, well, uh, one of the things that I really, that I thought a couple of them hit on Henry that I thought, thought was really smart, and uh, Mick Mulvaney brought it up, and so did Julius, was basically you have to have people, like-minded people, that are happy and want to be there uh, on your leadership team. Um, Mr. Mulvaney talked about uh, having a couple people in the White House that weren't happy to be there and how that just really made it a very difficult place to have a joyful workplace, but also to gain consensus, and get people excited and behind great ideas. Uh, so that that was kind of a takeaway I, I, I took from even at the highest level of in the Oval Office. If you, you have players on the team that aren't willing, you know, aren't on board with the vision and the mission, uh, things don't happen. Uh, uh, that was one of the takeaways uh, from a, a management perspective, I, I thought that was there. As, as well as Julius talked about the, the same kind of thing with your workforce, making sure now you can have some contrarians, but at the end of the day, everybody's got to be swimming in the same direction, or it's just a frustrating
2: way to work.
3: Uh, absolutely. You know, and you know, one of the examples that Nick uh, Mulvaney gave you know, was that uh, President Trump did like uh, dissenters, and you know, that he did like people with opposing views. And they would put that out there, and then that they would discuss it. And then say, okay, well, we've heard everybody's you know, views. This is a decision that you know, I've made and that we're going with. And then when everybody walks out of the room, they need to all be on the same page, uh, you know, just like a board. A rural, you know, there might be some differences of opinions, uh, you know, in that, uh, that board meeting uh, at the club. Uh, but once a vote is taken, once a decision has been made, how the club is moving forward, then everybody needs to be rolling that vote in the same direction. So uh, you're right. So what happens around the, uh, you know, the board table at a private club is the same thing that's happening, you know, uh, you know around the table in the Oval Office as they're discussing, you know, ideas. And, again, and Julius, like you said, was talking about that, uh, um, you know, that emotional intelligence. You know, how can you listen to people? How can you understand, you know, what they, uh, um, you know, are are saying and where they're coming from and try to get to to know them, um, you know, more. And, you know, he has a great example of, you know, just, uh, you know, it was Muhammad Ali's uh, commencement address to to, to a graduating class at Harvard uh, where it was, uh, you know, me and then we. You know, it's just, you know, yes, this is me. But we're all in this together, and so it was just, you know, very poignant in terms of, you know, what they were seeing and how that absolutely, um, you know, hits on what you know boards and general managers and clubs are facing, you know, on a you know monthly basis at their meetings or you know day to day basis at the clubs. Yes,
0: uh, Corey. One other thing I'd add uh, was one of the things that I took away uh, from Dick Grasso was he talked about 9/11 and how New York mm-hmm. came together, but more than New York City, how the the financial world came together, and folks that lost lost their offices in that tragedy, how their competitors took their workers in to allow them to keep their businesses running, and uh, that that was uh, I, I don't know if you remember that part, Henry. That I just thought that really was it spoke volumes. It reminded me of how the clubs really came to how the club industry really came together uh, during COVID, and really led and everybody helped one another. Uh, and certainly not at the scale of a, uh, of a 9-11, but certainly hearing Bear Stearns and some of these other big competitive, competitive banks uh, and financial institutions were helping each other out and allowing one another to office and share things to, get, to be able to keep their businesses afloat a- after the 9-11 attacks. I, that, I thought that also spoke volumes about leaderships and how great companies operate uh, in tragedy.
3: Absolutely, Tommy. I 100% agree that that was amazing when he was talking about that. How these fierce competitors, you know, always trying to you know to make that extra dollar, you know, try to be their competitors. You know, once that happened, they you know opened their doors and said, "Let's come in here. Let's you know let's do this all together. Let's get through this together." And it was great to you know to hear that. You know, whenever you hear stories like that, it always you know renews your faith in you know you know in who we are as as a country and the type of people that we are. You know, when, uh, you know, when, you know, when do pull together, uh, because you know, like uh, you had said, uh, Corey, it's just so you know, uh, divisive here in, uh, in Washington. Uh, and so it's great to hear, you know, that there are times where, you know, people put aside their differences, whether it's political or, you know, business or competitive, whatever, and, uh, and, and work together for an ultimate goal of, of uh, you know, being a stronger uh, entity or, or, or country.
0: Right. Uh, one last thing I did want to mention, one of my favorite things, about the conference, and I, I'm going to Henry. I'm gonna just ask you to talk a little bit about the Excellence of Club Management uh, Award and your sponsorship. But they, they have a panel of uh, award winner award winning managers that uh, every year. Frank Bain was the moderator this year, a good friend of ours, and did a great job. And I always get something, and I always learn or hear something, whether it's you know, I my good friend Lawrence McFadden right down the street at the Union Club in Cleveland. Or, uh a young man chris clubbbits who has won the rising star award uh, there's just so so many great managers sharing their stories it's great to celebrate them and their awards but it was also just great to hear how they handled the pandemic and how they were coming out of the pandemic and the, the ways that uh, they got better through uh the pandemic so that that was another of my favorites and uh, i do think it's worth mentioning that award henry if you would take a moment in your sponsorship at nca and uh, because it's a great group of managers that gets recognized every year.
3: Uh, right, absolutely, and uh, you know, this is something that we're now been involved in for about three years as co-sponsor of the Excellence in Club Management Awards with uh, McMahon Group and Club and Resort Business. And when we uh, became a sponsor, one of the things that we said that you know, we could do and wanted to do was to highlight uh, all of these winners at our annual conference. And so we you know create a panel um, you know, of all these winners each year at our conference. And one of the benefits of winning um, the award is that they get a free uh, registration uh, to, uh, to our conference. So uh, hopefully that gives them a little extra incentive <laughs> to, to, to try to win that or at least tell their, uh, um, you know, uh, board presidents to, uh, to nominate them. Um, but it's really to, you know, to be able to put them up on stage, like you said, and, and highlight them because they've done amazing things, you know, throughout the last year, whether, again, whether, you know, it was COVID this time or previous years, but just to really do amazing things that have helped, you know, their club, um, you know, help their community. Uh, but just they, they've become better overall managers, you know, from that. And we're excited to be able to, uh, you know, to highlight you know, these individuals, you know, every year and look forward to uh, continuing this tradition. And it's something that is, um, you know, welcome and well received you know, by the attendees to be able to hear from their peers about, you know, what made them successful and what they did at their clubs. And, you know, ideally, they'll take some of those ideas back home with them, you know, and implement, implement them at their own clubs. Yeah,
0: great panel every year, and great, great deserving winners. So that was uh, again, I, I didn't want to go on any much longer on the the uh, on the conference, but I really did. I always enjoy that panel, um, Corey. I think I'd like to ask Henry a few questions about the NCA and its mission. Go for um, it. One of the th- yeah, one of the things I really enjoy about being on the board, and i as as you know, Henry KK and W has been really involved for several years now with the nca but i really just want everybody to really understand what it is you all do for the industry i think it really came through loud and clear during covid how important and how how great of an advocate uh, you are for our industry but if if, can you take a couple minutes just talk about the nca and really what it's all about and how people can get involved
3: Uh, yeah absolutely and you know, and that's a, a great question because we get that all the time, is, you know, who is NCA? You know, they they might have heard of us, but they really don't know, you know, who we are or what we do. Um, and in short, you know, I, I can say, you know, we are the lobbyists for the private club industry. Um, and I, I take great pride in using that word lobbyist. <laughs> you know, outside of the Beltway here in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, that word probably isn't spoken too fondly of, uh, but uh, in order to... To to have your interests represented represented uh, you know for your industry, Um, you know you need to have somebody speaking for you, and that's what lobbyists do. And so that's our our first and foremost um, you know, role is to advocate for the private club industry. Uh, And this if I give a little history lesson, you know back in uh, 1961, uh, 12 clubs got together uh, to lobby to fight for the repeal of uh, federal excise tax. There's a 20% federal excise tax on club dues, and club initiation fees. Uh, And, you know, these clubs just said, you know, this is ridiculous. We're tired of having to pay these uh, these club members. And so um, fast forward in 1965, um, that uh, federal excise tax was repealed, uh, which was great. Uh, And by that time also, um, you know, uh, membership in NC had grown from 12 clubs to 50 clubs, uh, which tells me two things. One, you know, their strength in numbers by the time they had, you know, 50 clubs who were fighting for this. Uh, but then, two that nothing happens very quickly in Washington D.C. So it took four years, you know, for this to happen. But the big thing is that it happened. And so from then, uh, you know, NCA has continued to lobby, you know, for clubs. Issues have, you know, come and gone. Um, you know, there's, you know, areas that we still focus on. Uh, but obviously, there there's different ones. But in addition to the lobbying, we also provide uh, governance information and trends information because we want to help clubs who are run by volunteer leaders. Um, you know, help them understand uh, what their role as a volunteer leader is. And so, you know, what should they be looking for when they're, you know, directing and advising the general management staff, you know, of this club? You know, obviously to stay out of the operational things, but more so look at that strategic direction of the club and provide that proper governance. And so we've partnered with a lot of great uh, uh, companies, you know, uh, CKKW included, to really put together first-rate information, uh, you know, on governance as well as trends. And you know, what is happening in the industry? What are successful clubs doing that other clubs can learn from? You know, what's happening outside of specifically the private club industry, but what's happening in hospitality that clubs should learn from or what's happening, you know, in, um, you know, just in labor areas or other areas where clubs need to, to be aware of. And so, um, you know, we've got this, you know, this niche where we say, you know, we're in our three-legged stool is advocacy, insight, and governance. And so that's, you know, again, that's lobbying on behalf of private clubs it's uh, you know providing that uh, you know governance information you know to help the boards you know run their clubs more successfully and then the trends information that insight is you know how can you know we see what is happening in the industry so we can prepare ourselves to be a better club and and for more success down the line.
0: No, oh, that's great. And you know, could you talk a little bit about the some of the my favorite stuff about the NCA is uh, the issues, but also. Can you talk a little bit about some of the magazines, the publications? Because I, I think the publications the NCA provides to the industry are exceptional. And could you just t- take everybody through those?
3: Sure, absolutely. And, and this is all because of you know the great work that uh, Cindy Viza, who's our uh, vice president of communications, does uh, with her team you know, Phil, Mike, and, and Denise Draper, and uh, we put together, like you said, and, and <laughs> I'll second that. I think they are you know, the best publications in the industry, you know, starting with our quarterly club director magazine, uh, which is, uh, you know, focused on, you know, uh, again, the, the club and the board and the governance and, and what should be done and what can be done. Uh, so that's, you know, has been uh, a tremendous publication for us. And, and right now that publication is actually growing, uh, which is sort of bucking the trend of, of other, uh, you know, print magazines, especially during COVID, when, you know, I know so many magazines, you know, decided to stop printing and uh, they were just going to electronic versions or, you know, some others that are still printing, they, you know, they're much smaller sizes. Where well, ours has actually grown. We, we've we brought in more advertisers. We've brought in, uh, you know, more features to really make it a substantial, you know, publication that is worth, you know, every uh, GM and staff member reading, but then also uh, every director, you know, should read that. Uh, and within uh, Club Director uh, twice a year, we have uh, Club Business, uh, which is written for us by Club Benchmarking, you know, another great partner of ours that really looks at the, the business side of the club and the data and you know, what should you know, clubs be looking at on a, from a, you know, a fiscal perspective to make sure that they're very successful. Uh, and very excited to announce that uh, with our summer issue, uh, we're going to now start uh, Club Governance um, as an insert uh, in, uh, in two issues um, a year. And that's going to be uh, written by uh, our friends at um, uh, GGA Partners. So every issue of Club uh, Director is going to have an insert of either Club Governance, club, club Club Governance, or Club Business. So again, just providing more information and resources uh, and to help um, you know clubs succeed. And then we have our quarterly publication uh, with McMahon Group called Club Trends. Uh, and this is something that uh, takes a look at one uh, topic at a club, whether it might be food and beverage or it might be um, uh, you know, golf, or it might be uh, membership, or marketing, or communications, or whatever it might be. We just take one topic and drill down into that uh, you know, as deeply as we can, and then also include you know, three or four you know, case studies of clubs across the country that have done those things you know, exceptionally well. Uh, and that's a publication that uh, is, is very strong. We get a lot of comments on that. Uh, some people who will join the association just so they they can get that, uh, that publication, um, and so, very you know, very strong in terms of you know our, our print magazines. But then also we have electronic mag, uh, electronic newsletters of uh, Washington Weekly Update, uh, which comes out every Monday, uh, talking about what's happening here on Capitol Hill, uh, and in the states, and uh, the legislative and regulatory issues that are affecting private clubs. Uh, we also have our club industry brief, which is a uh, collection of uh, you know news stories. Uh, from across across the country, um, you know, covers different areas that um, you know people can see. You know, what is happening? How is it affecting clubs? And then um, and also our COVID-19 um, you know newsletter that uh, comes out uh, every other Wednesday as well to keep people informed of what is happening. Uh, still, you know, as as COVID is not completely gone away, and what are the issues that they need to uh, that they need to to follow and. Uh, I mean that's some of our you know our current publications. Uh, we've got some others that are that will be releasing later this year. Uh, you know if I if I can uh, you know go into those. It's uh, we've got our, our cybersecurity manual that we've uh, put together with uh, HFTP that's going to be released uh, later this month. Uh, we've got a media relations uh, management publication that uh, will be releasing uh, I think next month uh, just to talk about you know what your clubs do and how should they handle you know the media. Um, you know, either if it's, you know, inward facing or outward facing, uh, which the, their best practice should be. Um, and then also uh, we've got our DEI blueprint um, that we are releasing and, uh, you know, putting that out there. So our communications team, you know, I, I can't speak uh, enough about, uh, again, the work that Cindy and, and Phil and these do to put all of these things together. Um, and then, uh, you know, but also, you know, put them together with such great content and then get them out, uh, you know, when they do.
0: Well, and... I definitely appreciate that. And while you're talking about the great team, uh, would you uh, maybe just fill in the blanks on the rest of the teams that is behind the scenes that really makes the NCA go?
3: Uh, absolutely. And and you know, we'll start with uh, with John Good, uh, who is the man responsible for uh, our conference. Uh, he's been uh, does amazing work. Uh, you know, with planning our conference but then also uh, with our member engagement and, and working with, um, you know, everybody and handling our webinars, uh, but also handling, you know, members' uh, requests and information uh, whenever he can. Uh, so he's a, a tremendous, uh, you know, source uh, of of information for, you know, members, but then, you know, what he's able to do. Uh, Katina Cavignaro, who is our relatively new uh, director of membership and sales, um, who, you know, I, she's still less, been here less than uh, 10 months, but done an amazing job in terms of just ramping up uh, our membership, uh, you know, bringing new members in, uh, really, you know, talking about the value proposition that, uh, that we have as an association and why people should join. Um, and then also, um, you know, last but absolutely not least is Joe Troger, who's our vice president of government Relations, who is our lobbyist. Um, you know, we are, you know, pretty unique in the fact that we're a, a small association with only seven staff. Uh, But we do have, you know, one of those people who is a full-time lobbyist, you know, on our staff. Again, because that is, you know, one of our core competencies, you know, what is so important to us. And so, um, you know, I had the pleasure to work with him at another association here in in Washington, D.C. And when, you know, I was able to to bring him on board, um, you know, it worked out very well because he's also someone who is very passionate about clubs. He just ended his uh, tenure um, as a president of Mount Vernon Country Club. Here in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, that he served for two years, and so uh, I've got a great team that's in place that is, you know, that cares about the industry uh, and that cares about our members, and they want nothing but uh, the best, you know, for us as an association to, uh, you know, to continue to grow and, and be able to make a difference, you know, for the industry.
0: Yeah, you've really been able to put together a, a great team, and you saw that in action uh, at Ocean Reef, and you, you certainly saw it during COVID, and. Just the growth and the membership has been exciting to watch. Uh, Corey, I, I'm going to continue on if that's okay. I know we, we need to take a commercial break at some point, so I just let me know when we need to do that. But uh, I would like to ask you a couple additional questions just about the advocacy part and the, and the job that Joe does. Tell us a little bit about what are the big issues that, and policy issues that are, are facing the club industry that you're you're on top of right now?
3: Um, and that's, that's a great question because when I meet people and I tell them where I work uh, and they're very excited and they think I play golf all day long, and it's not the case as we all know who work in this industry, um, and then I say, you know, we're, you know, we're the lobbyists for the private club industry, they say, well, what do you lobby on? Uh, that's the, the first thing that, that comes to their mind. And so – um, my easiest answer to them is, you know, anything that a small business, you know, would lobby on, uh, and that's what we, uh, you know, are fighting on. And, you know, and we've got them basically boiled down to, to five areas: whether it's you know taxes, healthcare, labor, environment, uh, and immigration. Um, you know, and I'll just go into you know a little bit a little bit of these. Um, Just to give you a little bit of example, uh, but like with with taxes, you know, obviously, you know, I gave the example of of why the association was founded because of, you know, the the federal excise tax on dues and initiation fees. Um, But there's still a lot of things dealing with taxes. You know, one of them, you know, we've seen quite a lot recently is property tax issues. Uh, uh, You know, more on a state level, uh, obviously than on a federal level. But you know, in Maryland, uh, in New York, uh, in California, in in, you know Cook County, Illinois, uh, where Chicago is know, we've seen a lot of things, a lot of these places that are going after private clubs to try to get more money out of them for property taxes, you know, thinking that, oh, these are private clubs, they have plenty of money, we can just keep taxing them. And, you know, that's not the case. And so, you know, we, you know, that's an issue that we work, you know, very hard on to educate, you know, legislators about, you know, what would happen, you know, if they raise the property taxes, you know, for all the clubs in this one county or the state, you know, what effect that would have. You know, you know, down the line. And so, um, you know, that's, you know, one example of, you know, of the things we're doing on the taxes, you know. Um, you know, healthcare, um, you know, a, a bill that actually I think was just uh, introduced earlier this week uh, called the FIT Act. You know, it had been introduced uh, previously in previous um, uh, uh, Congresses, uh, but it was just introduced in this one. And what it would do, in short, is to be able to allow people to use um, their HSA money uh, to purchase uh, fitness equipment, so instead of using it, you know, to try to, you know, cure yourself or take care of you if you've gotten sick or hurt, you know, this bill would allow it uh, allow people to use it HSA money to buy, um, you know, sports equipment. So they ideally they're going out and they're being more active, and they're being more healthy, so that they're not having to, um, to take, um, uh, you know, the actions to, to try to recover. Uh, and that could be something that could be very beneficial for clubs because it could include, you know, equipment such as you know golf clubs or lessons or tournament entry fees. You know, you know again, you know, parents could use that for their children. Um, so that's something that you know we are very much advocating for, and hope that we can get that to move further uh, along. Um, you know, this Congress than it has you know, previously. Um, Labor. Uh, we always seem to be, uh, you know, fighting against that issue uh, in terms of, you know, whether it's a, you know, the, the minimum wage uh, you know, increase that uh, you know has passed the Senate, probably will not pass the House. You know, to, to make a $15 federal minimum wage, uh, or into you know, things like the PRO Act, which is very, you know, pro union, um, you know, bill that again has passed the House is, is not passed the Senate, and, and most likely probably won't. Uh, but these are things that. Um, you know, we see as something that is not beneficial to clubs and their operations and their employees. So that's a couple of things there. And then, you know, on immigration, you know, we look at, you know, H2B visas, you know, trying to bring in, you know, seasonal workers and what can we do to help, you know, clubs. And this was even before the pandemic, you know, when clubs were, you know, struggling to find workers and trying to bring in more on, you know, on that front. You know, and now it's even, you know, more needed. Um, so those are just a few examples of the things that, uh, that we, you know, work on, you know, on a federal issue or a federal level, you know, that, uh, that affect clubs, you know, during the pandemic, we were looking at, you know, and, and very much working on things like the employee retention tax credit. Um, so clubs could take care of that, PPP loans. Um, so they, so clubs could take advantage of, of that, um, you know, if they fit in the right category, you know, and some other things. And so, um, you know, it's interesting about Washington, D.C. is that, you know, there's always a, a new challenge uh, every day uh, depending on, uh, you know, what uh, you know lawmakers are looking at doing and how that affects the clubs and, and, you know, how do we need to step up and make sure that part of the club, you know, uh, voice is heard uh, and so that we can, you know, make it the best environment uh, for our clubs to operate. So
0: tell me... What are the priorities uh, for the rest of the year for the NCA as uh, you wind down, wind down from a great conference? What, what's going to happen in the, uh, in the next few months over summer as we head to fall? Um, well,
3: it's, always, it's always great because, you know, at our conference, like you had know, mentioned, we always do have our board meeting. So <laughs> I come out of the, the board meeting with a long list of, uh, of things that, that we've got uh, to accomplish. And, you know, looking forward to it. Uh, one is, you know, we've got to, to finalize our strategic plan. You know, we've had the framework of a plan, uh, you know, in place uh, a little bit, but, um, you know, we need to really focus on, on uh, retooling and finalizing that because then that's going to give us our direction of, of where we need to go. Uh, you know, we, we focused, um, you know, all of our efforts, a lot of our efforts, you know, on government relations. We'll continue to do that. Um, you know, we're probably going to be, um, you know, putting less emphasis on our, on our foundation, um, but all, all in a you know a positive you know move of what we're uh, where we're going with our government relations and what we need to do there. Um, you know again diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, you know we started uh, with this you know initiative with a survey uh, in October of, of 2020, and subsequently have you know put together the uh, a director issue on diversity. You know had a speaker at a conference, put together a diversity blueprint. But there's so much more that we need to continue to do you know, in that area, and that will be happening, you know, over the next, you know, three or four months, and then, you know, continuing, you know, and then some exciting things, you know, with the association that, you know, we're taking advantage of the opportunity for, you know, what we've learned by having, you know, my staff and employees, you know, working remotely, that, you know, we don't need the, you know, the office space that we have, and we're going to look at, you know, potentially moving to a different location, and you know, um, taking less office space, which ultimately, you know, means a better, you know, use uh, of our expenses for the association. That's going to enable us to do even more. So uh, very excited about the uh, the future of the association. Uh, you know, we've, we're, we we're came out of COVID, um, you know, very well, thanks to the support of, you know, our members and, and uh, you know, our corporate partners. Uh, but, you know, we, we're now in a position where we can really be aggressive and do some things uh, that we haven't ever been able to do as an association because of how things have fallen into place and, and what the team here has been able to accomplish you know over the last you know uh, 15, 16 months or so.
2: Well, Henry, this is a dynamic conversation. Thank you, Henry. Thank you, Tom. I want to pick it up in just a moment. but first, just like Coplin, Keebler and Wallace supports you, Henry, and everything the NCA does, they also support other worthwhile charities like this one.
1: Coplin, Keebler, and Wallace has proudly supported Tee It Up for the Troops since it was founded in 2005. The mission of Tee It Up for the Troops is to honor and support all those who served in the United States military by hosting impactful fundraising events at supportive golf clubs across the USA. We encourage you to learn more about how you can support their efforts by going to teeitupforthetroops.org.
2: Maximize your return on investment by utilizing the expertise of the Coplin, Keebler, and Wallace team. They have an unparalleled over 400 combined years of club and hospitality management experience to invest in your operation. They are not just another search firm. They are your trusted partners and advisors dedicated to ensuring your success. Quality isn't expensive, it's priceless.
1: The three founding alliance firms, Copling Keebler & Wallace, McMahon Group, and Club Benchmarking are independent entities working together for the common good of the industry, serving clubs in all aspects of strategic planning, operations, finances, human capital, and facilities. The CLA's core values serve as a framework for the proven best practices that create relevant and enduring clubs, informed leadership, strategic stewardship, empowered management and team, compelling member experience. Learn more at www.ClubLeadershipAlliance.com.
2: And welcome back to the Copland, Keebler and Wallace podcast. My name's Corey Sabin from VideoBolt.com. Great to be with you. And we're joined by Henry Wallmeyer, president and CEO of the National Club Association, as well as Tom Wallace. Henry, before we went into the break, one of the challenges and initiatives, I should say you were talking about involved the labor movement and involve some of the challenges with labor. And you specifically talked about the visa challenges. Can you talk about that, where that's falling out now in this new administration, potentially with immigration changes?
3: Um, yeah, we wish we had better news, but unfortunately we don't You know, see that um, happening anytime soon in terms of an increased uh, number of h 2 B visas being released. Um, or, you know, different timing. And so that's, uh, you know, again, a challenge that, that we have uh, and, and we'll continue to, to fight. Um, you know, and, and, you know, right now it, it's just, you know, for clubs finding employees, it's extremely difficult. I mean, I'm not saying anything that nobody doesn't already know, uh, but it's, you know, anything that we can try to do, you know, on the legislative front, you know, a regulatory front, you know, we will. We've actually got an article in our current issue of Club Director Magazine, you know, about, you know, some unique, you know, and interesting ways to try to, you know, staff, you know, an environment like this, you know. And so, you know, I wish I had better news in terms of, you know, the visa program and what it would be, but there just doesn't seem to be anything, you know, right now or in the foreseeable future that's going to, you know, kind of really, you know, raise those numbers up, you know, and be of great assistance to clubs. A good
0: answer. It's a tough situation right now, Corey. That's a great question. Uh, that, that's going to lead me into Club Pack, Henry. I know it's, you, you can't openly <laughs> – we have to be careful about how we talk about it, but I, I do want folks to know what Club Pack is and how they can participate because uh, that's one of the things I know Kurt, Dick, and I are very passionate about, making sure uh, our lobbyists have the tools they need to help the industry uh, up on the hill. Uh, could you talk a little bit about Club Pack briefly?
3: Sure, absolutely. And, and Club Pack is uh, NCA's uh, political action committee. Uh, so that's where the, the PAC comes from. And a political action committee is necessary for um, entities to be um, successful in their uh, advocacy efforts uh, here in Washington, D.C. And what a, a PAC does, and what Club Pack, enables us to do, is to be able to support those individuals who support our issues. Um, and that's where it really comes down to being able to, to get in front of a congressman uh, or, or a senator and, you know, educate them about uh, the private club industry and about, you know, our issues and, and where we stand. Um, and if we can do that through uh, supporting them, you know, in their campaign and their efforts, um, you know, they're going to be you know, much more receptive to, um, you know, to listening to us. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a, like I said, I, I can't talk a whole lot about it because, in order to, to, to hear a lot about it, you have to be a member of the National Club Association. And then you also have to sign what's called a prior authorization form because nothing in Washington, D.C. can ever be easy. So they make it very difficult for, um, you know, for people to, uh, to talk about, you know, the political action committees and specifically, you know, what they do and, and where the money goes and, and to whom it's going. Um, so what I would you know, encourage anybody to do is, is to go to our website, you know, nationalclub.org. We do have a section on there about our political action committee, uh, but there's also that prior authorization form where you can, if you're a member of the association, you can fill out that form, uh, remit it to us, and then we're able to you know, provide you, you know, any and all information about uh, Club Hack, uh which also you know, includes uh, we have a bi-monthly newsletter that comes out, the Pack Insider, that talks about um, you know where uh, you know who the candidates are we're supporting and why and, and what their issues are you know on that. Uh, but one thing that, that I can say because it's, it's all you know public uh, you know record um, is that uh, when Joe Trotter uh, came on board uh, at our Vice Prison Relations a couple of years ago, um, you know he made a conservative effort for us to be much more bipartisan uh, in our um, you know uh, supporting of, of candidates. And uh, we've done that, uh, you know, over these last couple of years, and very proud, you know, of that fact because we're we're we can't be a successful organization if we're just lobbying one side of uh, of the aisle uh, or the other. And so we need to lobby both sides of the aisle, find those individuals that can support, uh, maybe not all of our issues, but support some of our issues. Uh, and we've been very successful in doing that. And um, you know, we've highlighted some of you know those those congressmen and senators that uh, you know we've supported and who supported us. And so. Um, it, it's a, a necessary and a valuable tool for an organization like ours to, to, to use to be successful. Uh, but can only be as successful as you know the people uh, you know in our membership who are um, you know engaged with it uh, to learn more about it and then see how they can um, you know participate.
0: Awesome! Thanks. That's great stuff. And lastly, I want to talk about something that was just a real point of pride for, I think everyone in the industry and especially you and your team, which was the webinars and the education that you were able to put on during COVID. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about just the sheer numbers that you were able of people you were able to educate and how those webinars came together and the quick action you and your team took, uh, to to make sure that the club industry had, uh, it's one of its major associations like NCA, uh, on their side uh during the pandemic
3: um absolutely and again this is this is all because of the team that we have here at NCA that we are able to do this uh, but the, the the funny now i can say funny uh you know backstory is um you know we were, you know early march like early march we put in on information you know about COVID and you know the wash your hands and you know that type of thing and, and uh, it was it was it was okay information, and I had a, a member, um, you know, actually a former board chair of the of the association, who reached out to me and basically, you know, gave me a good talking to of okay, the information you're putting out is fine, but it's it's old, it, it's a week or two late. You know, we need more information. We need something different, uh, you know, from our association. You know, I need you, um, you know, to 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 help us, you know, as clubs. What can we do? And I think I got that call on a uh, on a Thursday um, when I and I was, when I was driving home. Friday we had a staff meeting, and we said, okay, what are we going to do? And that's where we took the idea for this first webinar. And we said, when are we going to do this? And normally we do webinars on Thursdays. And we're like, well, we can't wait till the following Thursday. So we did it on Monday. We couldn't wait until 2 o'clock in the afternoon when we normally do them. We did it at 11 o'clock on, uh, on a Monday morning. So uh, we put together a webinar, that very first webinar, uh, over the weekend, uh, brought in, you know, five, you know, experts, uh, subject matter experts in different areas. And we did that first webinar and had over 2,000 people participate in that first webinar. And that just, you know, shined the light for us and said, okay, this is what people need. They need this type of information and they need it and they want it badly. And so from that, uh, you know, over the next, uh, you know, five months, uh, I think we did about like 35 webinars with, for about 15,000 participants, which was, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, and they were just, you know, people were were, were taking them in because uh, I need the information. I've nowhere else to get it, and so you know, we were, you know, proud to be able to, to provide them with that. Uh, again, this was you know all driven by staff and and what they were able to do and, and coordinate it, and put it together. And then from there, we you know we put together the uh, our COVID uh, nineteen resource center, which was our microsite, uh, which I think has had sixty thousand page views, um, you know, and twenty thousand different. You know, people utilizing that site. Um, you know, and that was another huge thing for us. Like I said, we had that COVID-19 uh, Club Update newsletter that we started putting out two or three times a week. Now it's bi-weekly, uh, but, you know, using that to get the information out. And the thing I think really did it for us that, uh, that showed, uh, uh, you know, or shined a light on us you know, in the club industry is that we provided this information to anybody who wanted it, did not have to be a member, you know it was free for anybody and everybody because you know we thought that this was so important uh that it was not something that just needed to be you know kept for members that you know covid was you know ravaging the country and you know we need to make sure that the private club industry was going to stay uh, you know afloat you know during this and uh, and so we made it available to everybody uh and that was that was wonderful and you know from that uh, you know, we've gotten a lot of great compliments, you know, uh, you know, on the work that that we've done. Um, but it was just, you know, wonderful to hear people say that, you know, their club was able to get through it because of you know, what we were able to do, you know, for them and, and from the information that uh, that we put out there um, you know, uh, during COVID.
0: Yeah, that was a re- our uh, that was our 9-11 moment, if you will, that we talked about the competitors coming together and helping one another. I thought that a really... Uh, strong moment for the NCA was to open up the education and just make sure people were, that information was getting into people's hands. So very proud moment for the NCA and I think a great uh, successful moment for NCA and the industry as well to be able to have 20,000 people looking at that information in our industry. Uh, Again, a congratulations to you and a thank you to you for for making sure that happened uh, over the last year.
3: Uh, well, thank you, and, and it's, it was always one of those things where, you know, you don't realize what you're doing while you're in the middle of it, or why you're doing it, because, you know, we were just going, and just kept going, and going, and going, and, you know, we'd finish one webinar, and then, you know, we'd be like, okay, what's our next one? When's it going to be? And putting it all together, you know, but now, you know, a year later, we can look back on it and, and really take pride, you know, as a team of, of what we did, uh, you know, during that time, and, and what a difference that it really did make, you know, for the industry, so, you know, I, I appreciate the uh, the kind words, and uh, you know, we were, you know, glad to do it. You know, and and we wear that, uh, you know, very proud. You know, of, of all the work that we did you know, during that time,
0: as you should be. Yeah, and finally, uh, I wanted this is we are in the leadership business at KKW, so I wanted to just ask a couple of leadership questions of you personally. Uh, before we wrap up, and I have three questions I always like to ask and uh, not necessarily interview questions, but just inter- to get to know you a little bit and how you think and who's impacted you as a leader. Uh, so my first question is, Henry, uh, who do you look up to? Who do you look up to? Who has helped you become the leader you
3: are today? Um, that's a great question. You know, so everybody says that's a great question when they're stalling to try Yeah, to try. no, that's a great. It's a great stall. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the answer? Um, you know, first and foremost, I, I'd say my father. Uh, you know, someone that you know, growing up, uh, you know, looked at and saw, you know, had a, a tremendous work ethic uh, and everything that he did, he he did for his family, and that's what he was always trying to do: provide better opportunities for his family. Uh, you know, whether it was you know educational opportunities or, or other things, and so. That's you know somebody probably the very first um, you know uh, looked up to and said okay how can I you know emulate you know that man and I remember having to write a paper in uh, in college uh, at Villanova University uh, you know, get that in there uh, yeah. um, <laughs> I was surprised it took so long for you
0: to mention your alma mater <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, and it was it was on uh, definition of success you know and, and I compared uh howard stern to my father and again this was back in the you know the 90s when howard stern was you know huge um and it was you know who's more successful because howard turned you know popular whatever he did or, or my father because of what he was able to do you know for his family and and, and get everybody and i was there before you know graduate college and, um you know and, and did all those sorts of things and so that would be the one that i would you know really you know say that that's who i looked up to and, and who i emulate the most in terms of you know where I get you know my leadership and my work you know uh, ability from, um, you know my wife might say something different because I think I have turned into my father, uh, so she's seems like she's now married to her father-in-law. But uh, um, my my dad would definitely be the one.
0: Yeah, well that that's a great a very appropriate one, and my dad would be mine as well. And so tell me another leadership question. What is it that? get you up and motivate you, what, are you looking, what do you look forward to? What, is the, what are the things that really make you happy or the one thing that really drives you?
3: Um, I'm, I'm in an incredibly awesome position, the fact that I love my job. You know, and you always hear, you know, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. Um, you know, after having just plan the conference, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I haven't worked a day in my life, because we did a lot of work for that. But I truly love, you know, my job. And, and I've had different jobs throughout my career, ones that, you know, I've loved and ones that I haven't loved. And I could always tell, you know, what did I really love? And the ones that I loved are ones that I was thinking about all the time, you know, and not in a negative way, but it was seeing something and saying, okay, well, how can I take that idea and, and use it to, to make, you know, my association better? Or how can I, you know, I see that over there. How can I implement that to provide a better member benefit? So I'm always thinking uh, in a very positive way, you know, to be a, okay, what can I continue to do? you know, for the association, for, you know, the staff, for our members, for the industry. And so, you know, what gets me up is the ability that, um, you know, I can go in and we can try to change things and make it better. Um, You know, another benefit of being at a relatively small, you know, organization like we are here, which is the seven staff, we don't have a whole lot of layers. And so I really encourage, you know, let's, you know, let's try something different. Let's try something new. Let's see what works you know, and I, you know, and I, you know, lead with that example of, okay, let's, you know, do something. You know, so I think what gets me up is it's just the the sheer love for my job, the, you know, the people, the industry, you know, but then also to be able to, you know, make it better, you know, because it is a great industry that supports a lot of people in terms of the employees, the members, the communities, you know, and how can we just do our little part that's going to improve it, you know, even, you know, you know, a smidge, yeah.
0: No, that's great. And, and finally, and this is a tough question, and you, uh, but I love it. And you can't use your dad again, so you know, <laughs> Henry Walmart. Who, who are you chasing? Who, who is it that you, you know, who's that group that that business that person out in front of you that you're you really want to catch up to or want to emulate?
3: Um. In this way, I would probably go back to uh, my most recent employer before NCA, which was the National Association of Manufacturers. Um, and uh, Jake Timmons is their president and CEO. Um, and I had the opportunity to work for him probably about, about a year and a half or so before I, I came into this position. Um, but in terms of what he's done for an association and for an industry, uh, I take a lot from him. Um, and, you know, just to see – um, the passion that he has for that industry, uh, manufacturing, but then also how he wants to, to make the association the absolute voice, you know, for that industry, but make it a better, you know, uh, environment in which, you know, all manufacturers could operate. And he's very creative in terms of, um, you know, engaging people, whether on a staff level or on a membership level, uh, and then had, you know, a lot of great people working for him, um, you know, to, to really bolster the association. And that's sort of how I, um, you know, would like to, to say, okay, you know, they're a much larger association than ours. I think they're about 46 you know, $48 million. You know, we're a little under two. So we can't do everything that they do, but I can take those same principles and say, okay, what are they doing? How can we uh, use those here and grow our organization and association to make it the best that it possibly can be?
2: Well, that's great. Henry, that was really great. That was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Tom Wallace, amazing job stepping into my shoes. Thank you so much. And I thank all of you for tuning in today. And thank you guys for the valuable insight. And I appreciate everyone for tuning into this edition of the KKNW podcast to learn more about Coplin Keebler, and Wallace and how their team can help your organization. Please visit Koppin and CoplandAndKeebler.com. Dot com, and that and is spelled out. Until next time, I'm Corey Sabin from VideoBolt.com.